Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. I'm Mark Sirianis, I'm your host, I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. Are you still in quarantine? Are you still under stay-home orders? It's hard to know. We are national and international, so depending on what part of the country or the world you're in, it may be different. And also, we're filming or we're taping this episode in May, and it won't be released until June, so things could be dramatically different. Where I am in New York, we are still currently under a New York pause, stay-at-home orders, But as I see the rest of the country, much of it is opening up. Most importantly, we hope you are healthy and well and hopefully getting some training in, if not back to your dojang already. Today on our show, we are joined all the way from literally Shakespeare country in the United Kingdom by Phil Pierce. Phil came to my attention through uh, reading about his book, Mental Combat, The Sports Psychology Secrets You Can Use to Dominate Any Event. That book I really enjoyed and, in fact, just recently gave that as a gift to someone very close to me. Phil is a prolific author of several dozen books on the martial arts and self-defense and sports psychology. He is a second Don Taekwondo practitioner. He is a black sash instructor slash master of Kung Fu. He is world traveled. He is a person who has not literally just talked the talk, but walked the walk and has visited the Far East and places around the world to study and to get firsthand training in the martial arts. And he is an all around enjoyable person to to speak to. You can check out any of Phil's books on Amazon on self-defense and on practical matters. He has a online course coming, and you can check him out online. Uh, we've provided some things in the show notes, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed speaking to him. I enjoyed hearing about his uh, martial arts journey, and uh, I was really moved by his personal story, which I'll leave for him to tell as to how he got into the martial arts. Uh, it is an unusual story, and it is really a, a moving story, but one I think that you should all hear. So with that being said, I'll turn it over to Phil Pierce and our discussion. All right, so we are talking today to uh, martial artists, author Phil Pierce. And Phil is coming to us uh, quite graciously from the United Kingdom. And I want to welcome you to the show and thank you for talking to us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to speak to someone else, given the climate we're in at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy what we, um, what we take for uh, social, you know, that we, we're such social animals. And, and now yeah. we crave it, you know, so much. We're, we're happy to take. Uh, I've always kind of shied away from, I prefer the... the, the you know the human contact but you know mm. now we'll we'll take we'll take what we can get i did a phone call about two weeks ago with um uh tekla hutirova who is a um mm. she's a martial artist and a stunt person 
And yeah. um, a number of the shows I've done over the last couple of weeks have just been me talking about topics. And I was just so glad to talk <laughs> to another person. She was pleasant, yeah. but I was really, I, I think it was extra special. Well, the I, the I, funny thing is, of course, that normally under normal circumstances, if I was teaching a class a couple of times a week, I would be using my voice quite a lot. But because I haven't been using it as much, when I talk now, I get my voice and my throat gets a bit sore quite quickly because I'm not using it so often. It's quite strange. That's so. a, that is a great, great point. And I, and I, I feel the same way. I find myself when I train, I go outside and I, I go through things. I find myself, you know, talking to myself as I walk through things. Yeah, and I sort yeah. of like pretend that I'm teaching to some degree just to be able to hear the sound of another voice and or to hear the mm -hmm. sound of a voice and, and to be able to articulate. Because I know when the time comes to go back, I, you're right, I'm going to stand up in front of a group of people and have... have uh, and, yeah, and forget what it's like to talk to people. So, and for my club as well, we've been trying to maintain some sort of uh, a bit of a training repertoire through things like WhatsApp and and sure. things like Zoom. But it, it's not quite the same, and you've got a smaller attendance. And there's a lot of, the, especially the youngsters. I would like to check in on what they're doing, but they're not attending. And you sort of think, are they just playing Xbox all day, or what are they doing? Yeah, <laughs> so. sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the community as a whole, we've talked about this, uh, the, the Dojang that I'm a, a part of for, for quite a long time, they've done a great job of, of doing the outreach and the technology. Mm -hmm. we, we live at such an unprecedented time that the technology yeah. allows for it. But you're right. I mean, there's, there's nothing like being in a situation, especially when you talk about the, you know, the self-defense aspects, right, of, of, of what, what it is that we, we do, um, yeah. to be able to do that, you know, uh, ideally if we were in our houses for the rest of our, our our natural days i guess it wouldn't matter but you know the idea is yeah. we're going to be out out and about at some point so um so tell me a little bit about your journey tell me how did you get started in uh the martial arts and, and what was the particular mm. did you always grow up in the united united kingdom uh, relative yeah so i i kind of came into martial arts uh, a little bit later than most people i think um most people i speak to got into it did it as children, whether it was a karate class that their parents pushed them into or a Taekwondo class or something like that. I didn't do any of that stuff when I was younger. I was fairly sporty, but martial arts um, for me was much more when I was in my late teens. And that was because when I was about 16 or 17, um, I was attacked by a bunch of drunken guys, um, beaten up quite badly, hospitalized, and basically ended up having sort of a period of depression and needed some sort of way of getting out of that and so from me from when I was about 16 17 that was when I started looking elsewhere to expand my horizons and maybe it was a desire to learn some self-defense techniques but also to get me out of the house and stop me moping around because you know being in that situation psychologically it's quite uh, damaging to have that sort of violence inflicted on you people don't realize it but it can be so it was quite well, that a, is the that that's a really scary thing you're 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 very lucky particularly in light of the fact that that uh you didn't, you know, I, I hear many stories of, of people who get into it for, you know, bullying, but it's usually more schoolyard type bullying yeah, uh, yeah. and things of that nature. Uh, I don't know that I've even spoken to anybody who's had um, in recent time, who's had a, a similar uh, reason for, for getting initiated into it. Well, it was a, it was a quite a strange one. Even now people can't believe it because it was literally the case that I was walking past uh, a bar which had a bunch of drunk guys outside. They were making noise. One guy came up behind me. And he said, excuse me, as I turned around, he hit me in the face with a hammer fist, which basically shattered my nose. So I spent about 30 seconds choking on my own blood. His friends found it hilarious, came over and started beating the crap out of me. And that was it. There was no provocation, no fight. They didn't take my money. They were just like, a, I guess, like a bunch of hyenas, basically, just, you know, out for kicks. And uh, Wow. They ran and you were, and you were alone? 
you were alone in your travels? I was, on, I was on my own, yeah, yeah. So I'd left my friends a few minutes earlier. Of course, that's the way these things go. Sure. And uh, I ended up in the hospital, of course, and they were um, trying to fix my bruises and, and various injuries and stuff. Um, I, luckily, overall, I didn't have anything too life-threatening, but I did have to have surgery to correct my sinuses because my nose had all been smashed up and you know I couldn't breathe properly, so it wasn't very pleasant in that regard. But... I have to look at it from the positive that it did get me into martial arts. I had such sure. a positive experience since then. It did take me on such an amazing journey since then that um, I can only look at it from that point of view because otherwise, you know, you just get depressed. <laughs> yeah, of course, of, of course. So what was the martial art that you ended up um, getting into? And, and so, so we understand the motivation, but why did you choose that martial art? Uh, well, it was actually Taekwondo. Taekwondo was the first martial art I started out in. And that was uh, perhaps because it's quite ubiquitous in the UK. There's a lot of clubs around. But also I'd heard really good things about the, the local club near to me. Um, so as a lot of them do, they did a demonstration and I, I went along and more than anything, they were welcoming. And I think some clubs get that wrong in that they go all out to be really aggressive and powerful, but they scare off new students and especially someone who's never done martial arts before. Someone comes along to this class, they see all these guys quite intimidating. If you've never done anything like that, it can be quite scary. So for me, these guys were really welcoming and really pleasant and as well as being, you know, very fit and very capable of what they were doing. So I joined up with that, started training, and I was doing that two or three times a week, and that went on for, for quite a few years. I ended up achieving a uh, second-down black belt in Taekwondo, did that for quite a long time. Um, and then I started branching off, once I hit black belt, I actually started branching off and experimenting with other styles of martial arts as well. Um, I went to China uh, to train for several months out there in Kung Fu. Um, I traveled around Asia, training in a couple of different styles as well, and I'm lucky enough now to be one of the only guys with a black sash or instructor grade in Shaolin Mokgar Kung Fu as well. So um, so I've, I've taken that through to all the way through to the coaching level as well, as well as dabbling in it in lots of other martial arts along the way as well and writing my books, of course, as well. So, sure. You know. So tell me a little bit, that's interesting because uh, Chuck Johnson, who we spoke to, who is a, he's also a stuntman, movie maker and a taekwondoist. Mm -hmm. He actually went to uh, Japan to follow a, a Taekwondo uh, instructor there. And he, mm -hmm. he actually went there for, for that reason and then ended up making it his, his um, life and his home. When you went to China, was it for other reasons and you happened to study Kung Fu or you went there specifically to study martial arts? Um, initially, the plan was to go as part of a trip I was doing around the world. I wanted to visit China and visit lots of other places, but because I noticed that at the time I was into martial arts and they did this, um, well, there was a small uh, remote Kung Fu school where you could apply and, and they had this training. And I thought, I'm never gonna get a chance to experience it in such a, a genuine location and at such a genuine level uh, unless I tried it. And so I applied and, and told them about my background and stuff like that. And, there was a handful of Westerners there um, and it was incredibly hard. I mean, you think the sort of stuff we do in normal classes is hard there. It's, it's another level, but um, I'm, I'm really grateful for what I did out there. And it was a hell of an experience um, simply just because it was so remote and it wasn't commercial. It was just middle of nowhere kind of stuff. So it was very awesome to, to experience that kind of stuff as well. I'm a big believer uh, in speaking to people that, Taekwondo is, 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 you know, certainly my passion and it's, it's my life. I've studied mm. other things as well. Taekwondo is a great base for a lot of other things. Kung Fu is generally one, in my opinion, from what I've observed, is probably ideal if you've had some other base 
or training yeah. um, in some other art to at least get you the basic concepts down mm. before you get involved in Kung Fu. Do you think that rings true in terms of your, your experience or is that just my own? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that uh, I was quite lucky because of my background in, in Taekwondo. I had uh, a basic or at least a, a solid understanding of distance and timing, how to throw a punch, how to throw a kick and some fitness and stuff like that. Sure. When I moved into Kung Fu, of course, the the regulations were kind of thrown out a little bit because in the styles that I trained, low kicks were allowed, sweeps were allowed, weapons suddenly came into it. But the foundation that I got in Taekwondo was really useful. And it's, it's actually something I talk about somewhat in my books as well, where I talk about self-defense. And a lot of people are very quick to dismiss traditional martial arts in a self-defense scenario. And that's understandable because traditional techniques are a bit limited. But what traditional martial arts like Taekwondo or Karate or anything like that do do is they give you a really good foundation in your fitness, in your distance, in your timing, how to throw a punch, how to throw a kick and how to move. They might not teach you the best techniques on the street, but that foundation is uh, essential. And even just being able to be fit enough to run away from a scenario is a really good line of self-defense to, to adopt. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer in using uh, Taekwondo or other martial arts like that as a, as a foundation for, for other things or sticking with it, of course, as well. So. I think it's a good, you, you raise a good point. I think one of the things that's been interesting as I've been reading and there, there's so many, um, a con, so much conflicting information in this time of the coronavirus, but one of the things that's sort of been abundant and apparent to me is that, you know, no matter what they say about people that are at risk or not at risk, that, that, but that a good many of the people that have really been at risk for it are people that are uh, morbidly obese and people that are really not um, in the greatest of shape. And, and it leads me to just just reinforce that there's just great value to doing, you know, to being, trying to keep yourself in, in good physical shape in, in, in all things. I think your point is well taken is that, you know, in a, in a street scenario, even if you're not the greatest fighter in the world, if you've had a little bit of training and you're relatively agile and you can sort of yeah. move, you you probably have a significant advantage, you know, over and above the psychological aspects of it. Yeah. And it's um, not just the, uh, the self-defense scenarios as well. I think people are, always amazed how often you need to suddenly turn on a bit of fitness occasionally whether you need to sprint for a bus or just do something occasionally and when you don't train at all for ages you suddenly realize oh my god i've lost it all i need to get it back and if you are obese or if you are struggling with your health then yeah absolutely um, sure you, you you learn it you're in a building and the elevator's out and you got to take the stairs and all of a sudden <laughs> you find you oh wow i didn't realize i was in such bed yeah yeah exactly yeah and uh I understand it's difficult, especially in this culture we live in these days where the temptation is to stay on the sofa and watch TV all day and the TV channels will do everything they can to try and keep you there. And lately, of course, with coronavirus, the message has been stay at home. And sure, it's similar to sort of do nothing, which is why it's confusing for people. Um, but a little bit of training, even if you're at home in your own garden or wherever, um, I think is, is massively valuable. And uh, it doesn't necessarily be, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be massively intense, but a little bit regularly is more important than trying to go crazy once a month i think um you know a little bit of regular training is really valuable i agree completely so tell me about i'm not sure in terms of the chronology and the timeline because i see that you're you're you know you, you've written quite a number of books i want to talk about some of those mm -hmm. where where does that fall in line in terms of your your journey and mm -hmm. when did how did you make your way back from the far east back to the united kingdom where you currently reside and and, and train? yeah so it's a funny one really as i said i was doing the, the sort of around the world trip um this is probably 10 12 years ago uh, maybe a little bit longer actually and after my time training in china um, i really loved it and i wanted to experience more of asia 
So I decided to continue traveling around a little bit and I did. Um, I didn't spend as long anywhere else um, as I did in China, but I did um, dabble in other martial arts in some of the other countries. And then I made my way via um, you know, the Southeast Asia area through Japan, across the Pacific, across America, all the way back home. And that was an amazing journey. And I came home and then it dawned on me, well, what's next? I'd come home for months and from months away. I had no job, nowhere to live nothing going on really and i sort of decided well okay i've got to make a start of this i've got to do something um i already had a background in graphic design at the time and i realized that while i had this martial arts background there weren't really any guides or any instructional manuals um in a sort of more modern format because kindle at that time had just launched and there was no one doing anything on kindle about martial arts and i thought well maybe i'll give it a go so i, I banged the book together it probably wasn't the best and it was a bit rough around the edges but uh, i put one together and it started selling a few copies it wasn't a massive amount but it gave me the idea that the the idea had potential. And so that's the start of it really. And then I took that start and started looking at the reviews and what people wanted and what people were interested in learning about and, and went from there. And so now of course I've got a couple of dozen books out. I've got a, a video course, I've done bits and pieces here and there and I'm always working on more based on what people want to learn about basically. Um, and it's funny that the, the ones that started out, the original martial arts guides, uh, are probably my least uh, good selling ones now. My best selling ones are more general about sports psychology in, in terms of martial artists and, and self-defense. So, you know, that's that's the journey it's taken, but it's, it's been an interesting one for sure. Well, that's great. That, that's great. And the one that came to my attention, how we sort of ended up reaching out to you was uh, mm. mental combat. Yeah. I, I see that as being one of the more high profile ones. I want, I want to talk, swing back and talk to you about that, but I'm just curious in terms of your, your journey, uh, your physical journey, you talked about the fact that you, you had spent some time in, in the United States. Uh, wh whereabouts did you do that and, and how long, and did you have a chance to do any training or check out any training facilities when you were here? Uh, it did. Uh, the training was a bit sporadic when I was in the States. I've actually been to the States quite a few times. I um, I was living there for a short time um, many years ago when I was working out of uh, Florida. Oh, I was sure. based in um, uh, Pennsylvania for a little while as well. But I've actually traveled probably coast to coast because I've got friends dotted all over the place now. Um, I wouldn't say I've trained extensively in the US, but I have visited uh, a few different dojos and dojangs and um, visited people who train in martial arts in those places. But, but I wouldn't say I spent enough time there to feel qualified uh, to judge them on what they're doing or anything like that. Sure. Um, but I have had some, you know, great experiences and met some really interesting people along the way of the whole journey. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. So tell me a little bit about, is Mental Combat the, the top selling book or the most high profile book that you've um, participated in? Yeah. So or that you've me, it's a bit of a strange one because Mental Combat was um, almost an afterthought as a book. I put together the books on self-defense and they've been doing quite well and I'd had reasonable reviews on it. But I cut out all these chapters on uh, the psychology of self-defense and the psychology of um, maybe using meditation for your own benefits and summoning confidence when you need it. And I knew that it was valuable, but I didn't really know what to do with it all. And then I looked into some of these sports psychology books that were selling well. And I was looking at how I would apply it in a martial arts scenario and that sort of meshing together came together. And that was how I came up with the idea of a book that centered around the conflicts in life and how you can resolve them in a way that benefits you, even without the physical element, using your own brain power, using um, your mental agility and using a few sneaky tactics as well to get one over on people if you need to. You know, we always try and promote ethical use of these techniques, but 
um it's up to people to choose but yeah it is the the best selling one for me at the moment so uh, I'm, I'm quite proud of that that's great that's great and uh, i noticed one of the things as I, as i was going through and checking out your your books and again i think it's interesting because i i didn't I, I sort of uh, recognized it, but I think that you articulated it well. Is that I see that numbers of them, you know, are representations and discussions of specific styles, and then you mm -hmm. sort of moved into the the, the the type of stuff that you're talking about now, where there are some practical aspects and self defense yeah. and mental alertness. And uh, I, I love the fact that you you know you talk about these techniques and you talk about um, their use as the alternatives in many respects to de-escalation and, and conflict res resolution. So I, yeah. I, I like the, the overarching message of the, of the books. And, and it sounds to me like, you know, a lot of that comes out of um, your training and your experience. But now that I know that you had such a traumatic experience in your, in your youth, mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe a little bit more surprising to me because I think many people would have come out, you know, embittered and, and emboldened and, and, and been <laughs> very, very much about, you know, Maybe 10 years ago, if you'd have spoken to me then, I probably would have been. But uh, I, I think you've got to sort of work to put these things behind you and, and take the benefit from it and, and use that rather than look into the negative from it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's easy to get caught up in the negative emotions of things that have happened to you in the past. And um, I'm sure it wasn't a pleasant time at all. Um, and I did look into, I have trained, in fact, in, in Krav Maga and, and other pure self-defense systems. And I, I really appreciate those techniques, but I do think there's a step before that, which is sometimes often overlooked. You've got the, you know, the, the escalating part, and then you've got the, the, the resolution of it, which is often physical, but there's a part where you can almost steer the situation whichever way you want, using the right words and using the right body language and using the right attitude. And that's sort of something I wanted to address uh, in these books, and hopefully people have been finding it useful. So at least some readers tell me they have. So. That's great. I, I think it's great. I think there's a great message and, and we're definitely going to link to your site and, to, and right. to the books. Now, in terms of what you're doing now, in terms of teaching and training, um, mm. is it specific to a style and art? Is it is it a form of and I use the term mixed martial arts to not necessarily indicate, you know, competitive MMA, but a true mm. form of mixing the martial arts? Is it more in the self-defense area? In terms of your actual uh, hands-on training, obviously, when we're so not... I, the, the Taekwondo I did a um, long time ago, of course, I took that to a level that I was, I was quite happy with. I got to the second down black belt. And then I became, I guess, like a lot of people, a bit disillusioned with the way that the organization was running things. Um, and I became perhaps a little bit too vocal about that. And we had a bit of a disagreement. So I took a step back and went a different direction. And that was fine. They were okay with that. And I was okay with that. It came down to an issue of me not outwardly accusing them of, being focused on the money but that's what sure. it was and um, I discovered the the kung fu side of things which is what I've been doing more and that's now what I teach I teach Shaolin Mokgar Kung Fu I'm involved with a club which has been running for 20-25 years and it, I'm quite proud of it because Mokgar as a style is one of the rarest um, styles of Kung Fu especially in the UK there's like four clubs in the whole of the UK so it's extremely rare um, the circumstances for me teaching are a bit more unfortunate though because I was uh, the most senior student and I'm a black sash one of the first black sashes in something like 20 years which is awesome but the guy who's a Stuart um, a friend of mine and the guy that's been the Sifu who's been running it for, for many years um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer towards the start of last year um, which is obviously a terrible diagnosis to get one of the sure. worst cancer diagnoses to get 
Um, so he had to take a step back and he asked me to take over teaching full time, which is what I, I was teaching anyway, but he asked me to take over in the club. So I've essentially been running it since then. Um, Stuart has been quite an inspirational figure all the way because while most people get this terrible diagnosis and in fact the survival rates are awful, he has been through six rounds of chemotherapy, three major surgeries and he's still fighting away and still slowly looking like he might even recover, which is remarkable. So, you know, fingers crossed for that. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm still uh, teaching away and trying to maintain the club in the background, which is always difficult as well. But Sure. Sure. And we will, uh, our, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with him. And we know yeah. that, you know, martial artists, if nothing else, you know, that, that resolve and that, that mental toughness mm. um, and that, that ability to focus and meditate uh, hopefully will translate. Well, the, the incredible thing is that the, uh, the hospitals where he did have surgery, they did say to him he was incredibly strong mentally and physically. And a lot of that is simply just because he has been training in Kung Fu for so long. Um, you know, people who hadn't been doing that probably wouldn't have survived the procedures he's been through. I mean, that's the, the bottom line. And so it is an incredible achievement, really, that martial arts has probably saved his life. So that is, yeah. That's great. That, that is really great. So tell me, what do you have, uh, you know, for, for many people, when I've been doing the shows, you know, over the course of the last year, the magazine's been out for about four years. We're international, but the show, the show is only about a year. When I speak to people, I would always say, hey, what do you, what do you have in store for the next couple of months? What's in store for 2020? And yeah. of course, you know, the, the, the circumstances of, uh, have made the, you know, waylaid everybody's and sidetracked everybody's <laughs> plans. But in terms of your... Uh, you know, this post-quarantine world when we get back to uh, hopefully yeah. living living a normal life, what's in store for Phil Pierce? Do you have more books lined up? I'm, I'm always a... working on more books. Um, the next book I'm sort of, I've got some material I've written for it, but I want to flesh it out a little bit, is going to be about, about uh, conditioning. So in Kung Fu, conditioning is quite prevalent. In other styles, I've found it to be less prevalent. So, you know, hand toughening, arm toughening, those kind of techniques and in traditional Chinese techniques, it's all that sort of hitting bowls of sand and uh, in karate, you've got makawaras and, and wooden dummies in Kung Fu and things like that. So it's based around techniques for, for toughening the, the skin and toughening the body up a little bit. That's a, a book that I'm brewing at the moment. I've got about 50% of the writing done for that, but it's a bit slow uh, and I need to sort of meet with some other people to speak about that. Um, the other thing I'm working on, uh, which is a new avenue for me is video courses. So I recently released, uh, a video course on Udemy. Uh, that's the first one I've ever done. Um, I'm still not 100% sure whether it's something I'm going to stick with doing hundreds of them more because it's a very expensive route to go down, getting production and the sure. setting of a studio and all that sort of stuff. But it is great to have something that you can follow along with, which just you know has a bit more value than just reading a book. So um, if I can get the cost of producing them down a little bit, I will be producing some more instructional videos. Of course, the difficulty is if I get someone to help me out with these videos, which they have been before, I've had some excellent friends helping me out. At the moment, no one can help anybody because you're not allowed to be close to someone. So. Sure, sure. So it doesn't matter how good the idea is. I can't do anything until the studio's open and people are allowed to connect again. So, But it will be video courses. That's going to be probably the next uh, the next big avenue for me. Um, That's great. That That is great. I, I, I appreciate you taking the time. It's, it's one of the interesting things because we do a lot with uh, – you know the area we we have a whole wide variety of things that we cover one of them we we cover a lot we speak to a lot of uh martial artists who are in the entertainment field whether they be stunt mm -hmm. people or whether they be directors or, or you know action stars um, yeah. we have a good relationship actually with uh Jesse V Johnson who 
who who does all the, mm-hmm. the films with Scott Atkins out, actually out of the UK. And, yeah. uh, you know, everyone's consuming like mad now, but nobody's making anything. So yeah, yeah. because we're all in the same boat. So we're going to come to this time period where it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, as this as this goes on, there's going to be, you know, we'll all be watching reruns into the uh, <laughs> into the Christmas and New Year's. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's the same with every industry at the moment. Anything that's uh, production has stopped on, on most things, but people are still consuming everything. And uh, Amazon are doing incredible trade at the moment because everybody's buying stuff but there's not enough people making stuff so yeah it's uh, if you are a content creator of course at this time it's a great time to get stuff out but absolutely i'm a bit slow that's my problem <laughs> i'd rather it was good and slow than it was fast and rushed so absolutely well bill pierce i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today um no you you know i like i said i uh, i i was really intrigued i i saw your your um, your book, Mental Mental Combat. I, I listened to the audio on it. Um, I thought it was great, and I, I you know, I, I did a little research, and I said, "Wow, you know, especially." I we always try to our, our our guests come in two categories. One is those that are in the Taekwondo world, and those that the second is those that have interest and appeal to the Taekwondo world. You yeah. you you meet both of those criteria. So, um, you know, with your Taekwondo background, but also all of your writing transcends a particular um, style and a particular um, uh, set of techniques. So I thank you for, for talking to us today. And, no and we look forward to um, hearing, you know, what happens for you after after the, the quarantine is lifted. Again, send us your, um, send us a links to whatever you want us to post in the show yeah, notes, absolutely. whether it be to your online courses, to your website, to your books. And we look forward to, to speaking to you. Uh, I didn't know if you have any, I always like to ask the guests if they have any uh, words of, encouragement or advice for uh up and coming martial artists but if you do i'd love this would be a great way to 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 end the um the discussion if you if, if you have anything well, you want the, uh, it's funny you say that actually because the one thing i've recently been trying to remind myself um is basically don't compare yourself to other people and because of this time everybody's got at home at the moment i've been watching lots of videos of other martial artists and it's so easy to judge yourself and think oh i can't kick that high i can't do that i can't do this it takes slow progress and everybody can get there eventually, but don't compare yourself to other people. That is my, that's my uh, thought of the day. If I need such a thing. <laughs> that's great. I, I appreciate it. And, the, and that, those are wise words from uh, certainly a wise, a man and martial artist. And Phil, I, I thank you. We look forward to talking to you and, and we always keep the, uh, the, the lifeline open. Feel free to share with us any progress, information, events, anything you okay. want to share with Taekwondo life magazine. We have international audience actually for us, our number, two or number three place in the world where uh, our our content is consumed is the united kingdom so um oh, we, have a, we have a very good following in the in the united kingdom so yeah um, we look forward to talking to you further and and we wish you all the best thanks a lot and i hope everybody stays safe very good thank you sir be well thanks a lot Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.